0: As an
1: African-American woman though, playing a sport that's majority white, have you felt along the way, as you've ground your way to the top of the footballing pyramid, there've been times when you've had to prove yourself in a different way to other players? Oh,
0: definitely. Especially when people think of like black athletes, what do they always think of us as? Fast, you're powerful, you're aggressive. You know, those are the qualities that I feel like we always get. And I think for me, I'm always working on my game to be like, I'm more than just someone who's fast. I'm technical, I'm crafty. And I'm always working on my game to be more composed.
1: Welcome back to Men in Blazers American Legend Series, Episode 2, presented by Budweiser. This week, only the biggest, most competitive Women's World Cup of all time kicks off. I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but I genuinely could not be more excited. This series is designed to allow you and your friends to turn your anticipation up to eleven by listening to key members of your defending champion United States national team talk about the big dreams, grinding sacrifices and life lessons that together have made up their World Cup journeys. We were blown away by the response to episode one, Alex Morgan. And in this pod, we talked to the remarkable Crystal Dunn for an interview, which honestly was one of my highlights of the year. Some of the themes we talk about dovetail with the Brianna scurry pod, which is very much worth your time. You can binge on the whole series and the video content that we cut at meninblazers.com. Quick plug for that. Bird fam, blood fam, now to Crystal. It's a delight to sit here with a guest who's living proof (laughs) that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Woo! Stand a little taller. All right, maybe not that. (laughs) (laughs) but makes you a fighter. Damn straight, Kelly Clarkson. What don't you know about life? My guest was a winner her whole career, a standout on every team she played, but a heartbreaking, heartbreaking for me, shot last-minute omission from the 2015 World Cup squad. Didn't break her. It made her rebound. Harder, better, faster, stronger. She's been a college champion, an under-20 World Cup champion, a league champion, MVP, golden boot, and is now on the brink of the World Cup journey that she always dreamt of. From the North Carolina Courage and your US women's national team, the best Crystal since Palace. Oh, (laughs) it's Crystal done.
0: Woo, thank you. That was lovely. Oh,
1: Crystal, it's so (laughs) lovely to be with you. I've been looking forward to sitting down with you for longer than I can tell you.
0: I can say the same thing. I feel like we know each other, but we don't, so. I I told you I'm much
1: darker (laughs) and more awful in real life. So whatever you're imagining, I can only disappoint. Crystal, you grew up in Rockville Centre. Yes. Long Island. Mm -hmm. Strong Island. Strong
0: Island.
1: You started playing at four years of age. Yes. Shout out to Rockville Centre Soccer (laughs) Club. Yes. You said about that time, my clothes were way too big for me. My shirt looked like I was wearing a dress. You couldn't even see my shorts. (laughs) Despite that, you made it here. What kind of a player were you as a kid? I
0: was the kind of player that just really didn't take anything seriously. My parents didn't force me into soccer. I feel like I saw kids playing down the street from me and I was like, this is awesome. That looks fun. Let me jump right in there. And that's kind of like my mentality, even till this day. I like love it. I love what I do. And I don't try to take things way too seriously. You just
1: plunge in. Just get involved. Crystal in.
0: (laughs) I just get involved, you know.
1: (laughs) Anyone who watches you play knows you bring it. You're a force of nature. Mm -hmm. But how tall are you, Crystal?
0: I'm a whopping 5'2". I'm actually 5'1 and 3 fourths. But listen, the men do it. So I might as well just say 5'2", right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you may be 5'2", but you play (laughs) 6'2". I have to. Do you live a life of people telling you, whoa, you look so much taller on television?
0: I do get that a lot, actually. You know, a lot of people I meet are like, whoa, this is you in real life. And I'm like, well, sorry, this is what you get?
1: (laughs) Were you always the smallest player on your team, whatever team you were playing on, as you were coming through?
0: When I was four years old, I probably was the same height as everyone else. And then five years old, (laughs) six years old, the gap started getting bigger. But yeah, for a long time, I was always the shortest one.
1: Did anyone ever tell you you were too small to be an elite athlete?
0: Coaches, not to my face, but I think behind the scenes, I did hear kind of whispers of like, ah, she's short. Can she really make it? Can she really go to that next level? And I think it's nice that coaches didn't say it to my face directly, but I do think there was shatter behind my back.
1: Was there a period of time when you doubted in your own heart that you were too small to be an elite athlete?
0: Yeah, doubt, but I didn't question really, do I want to play this game anymore? It was more so, am I going to be able to compete? Am I going to get to the next level or is this just basically where I'm gonna be at? I didn't try to stay in that mindset for too long. I think when I went to college, that's when I realized, all right, Anton Dorrance, you wanted me to be a part of this amazing legacy and thank you for taking a chance on me and that's when I really stopped caring about height. I'm small, I might get bullied occasionally on the field but ultimately it's about showing up that next day and coming back for more and getting better and honing in on my strengths.
1: People tell me I am too old to become an elite professional footballer and I won't uh, hear it either.
0: Yeah, you know, just...
1: Just keep Maybe you can it. do it. <laughs> just keep bringing it, Greg Berhalter. Yeah. I'm ready. You learned to play to your strengths. Yes. With pace, with power, with mental tenacity. Mm. And When was it that you realized that you were not just good for Long Island or for New York <laughs> State, but that you were pff, good enough to aspire to a national level?
0: When I was in high school trying to figure out where I wanted to go to college. And then getting all the offers from the top teams is when I was like, whoa, I'm pretty okay. Stanford's, UNC's, the Dukes, the UVA's, they want me. That was when I realized coaches are going to see what they want in a player. And some coaches may not see my value, but there's enough coaches out there that do see it.
1: And how did that feel in that moment, the validation?
0: Felt amazing. You always want to be wanted. You don't want people telling you, hey, go sit down somewhere, you're not going to make it. You obviously gravitate to those that support you and want you on their team.
1: You grew up in a predominantly white neighbourhood. Yes. You've said that it took you a while to realise as you came through the footballing levels. This is your quote. Wow, am I really the only black girl on all my teams? (laughs) Am I really the only black girl in all of my classes? What did that feel like in that moment at the time?
0: Uh, It was interesting because I feel like for a long period of time I was like this isn't weird or anything this is just what it is I was used to being the only black kid in class or the only black girl on the soccer team you know and I think that became the norm and then I think I got older and realized whoa it's kind of weird in a sense you know why aren't there anymore why do I find myself literally being the only minority on a team
1: and what does it feel like in those moments is it lonely Is it confusing? Is it infuriating?
0: Yeah, I do think there was a period of time that I kind of had like an identity crisis in a sense where I did have a handful of black friends that I tried to explain. I play soccer, guys, so if you invite me to a party, I actually don't think I can make it because I have soccer training. And they were kind of like, what do you mean? You have practice, you have tournaments?" So I almost had to explain this hobby that I love to do to people who didn't really understand it. And I felt myself kind of like... Why am I explaining? That's a bit weird.
1: But there have been comparatively few African-American players on the US women's team. Mm -hmm. Not just now, but through its entire history. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done practically? What Mm. can we do to make change, Crystal?
0: Soccer is interesting in the US versus other countries. You know, when I I always have this conversation with some of my friends. The French national team. Men and women. I'm like, it is incredible. There are so many black faces on the team. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I think, Soccer in the U.S. is coming that way. I also think the sport is new to a lot of African Americans. Like I said, when I was younger explaining, hey, I have soccer practice to my other friends that were black, they were like, well, what is this sport you speak of? They were kind of playing basketball or football or around those kind of sports. And I think for me, it was just like getting that awareness out to them to, help them realize soccer's a dope sport. (laughs) Oh,
1: I've got to get a mug that says that soccer's a dope sport, (laughs) America. (laughs) As an African-American woman, though, playing a sport that's majority white, have you felt along the way, as you've ground your way to the top of the footballing pyramid, there have been times when you've had to prove yourself in a different way to other players? Oh,
0: definitely. Especially when people think of, like, Black athletes, what do they always think of us as? Fast, you're powerful, you're aggressive. You know, those are the qualities that I feel like we always get. And I think for me, I'm always working on my game to be like, I'm more than just someone who's fast. I'm technical, I'm crafty. That's why I get such a throw when I have to actually play in the midfield, because to me, there's not a lot of black midfielders. I value N'Golo Kante and the Paul Pogba's because I'm like, you guys are literally doing exactly what I love to do. Showing that creative side and not just being strength and power and aggression, but the craftiness, the composure. I'm always working on my game to be more composed. And winning. And winning. Let's talk about the winning, yeah. Two (laughs) two
1: World Cup winners. Yes. Do you feel a different sense of mission as a player? Because your success can inspire others watching to look at you, to change their perception you've said you want people to say, look, Crystal Dunn made it, Mm -hmm. I look like her. If she can make it, maybe I can make it too.
0: Definitely. I had a young girl come up to me. I was on my flight back to London when I played at Chelsea and she was connecting through London to go to Kenya. And she came up to me and said, Crystal, I'm so happy to meet you and I just want you to know that I literally play soccer because of you. Like, I feel so honored that someone like you is playing this sport because I look like you and I am motivated that much more to want to get out and continue playing. And I was like, whoa, tear, 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 that's amazing.
1: So Crystal, What message do you have for young girls of color who watch you as one of the only African-American players on the team, what words of advice do you have for them?
0: You just need to be true to yourself. You have to wake up every day with a goal in mind. What do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish? And you shouldn't let anyone make you feel less valuable or make you feel like you can't achieve what you want just because of how you look, how you dress, who you are. And that's just a simple message.
1: You have lived that message since you fell in love with soccer when you were three. All you did was win. I mean, you are, you're like the Ark of the Covenant. You remind me of (laughs) Angolo Kante. Every team you are on experiences glory. And then 2015, you've been a U.S. international for almost three years. Mm. And I hate to resuscitate bad memories, but 55 days out from the World Cup, the tournament's so close, you can almost smell it. Uh You found out you didn't make the U.S. roster.
0: That was a lull point in my life, definitely. You were the Um, final
1: cut, where were you when you took the call?
0: I was with my parents. Oh, little kid driving in the car with your parents. Yes, I felt like I was four years old again. My parents definitely were in the front seat. I got the call from Jill and they can do just- Did
1: you feel anxiety when that caller ID came in? <sighs> yeah,
0: out? yeah. I knew it was coming that day too. And I just remember being like, okay, where am I gonna be when this call happens? Oh, now I'm in a car, can't escape. Can't jump out the car while it's moving. Even though I felt like I probably wanted to.
1: When you get that kind of call, do you get right down to it? Or is yeah, like awkward, small talk? I, I let it
0: ring for a couple of seconds. And I was like, okay, oh, I, I gotta answer.
1: And you then you do chit chat?
0: small talk in the beginning and then ultimately it was kind of like let's get down to it what did she say exactly she basically said crystal we're not we're not going to take you to the world cup i'm sure there was a good message at the end of that line right there but i kind of blacked out on the phone obviously and i was like oh oh she said i didn't make it i don't even know what else she's saying but what
1: words came out of your mouth
0: I said, uh, you know, I understand. I think I said like a good luck message there, like good luck to the team. Oh, and you
1: are such a better person. Oh, than I could ever what am I going to like
0: throw some curse words out?
1: Were you expecting to go to Canada for the World Cup? I Honestly.
0: was expecting. I don't think I was the player that I am now. I don't think I was 100% ready. I was a young player and I think experience would have been great for me. The experience of being around a veteran team and whether you use me or not, I feel like that's what I was hopeful for, is just that experience.
1: Are you angry at the decision? Are you angry at yourself? Do you start to think, is this something I could have done? Where does your mind go exactly? It
0: goes all over. I think just pure anger in general, you know? It wasn't towards any set thing. It was just, I'm not going to the World Cup. I'm pissed.
1: It really impacts your whole sense of identity.
0: Oh, definitely. It makes you feel lesser. Oh, yeah. And then I had to show up to training the next day. And then, of course, When people start hearing that I didn't make it, it became woe is me party and everyone hates that. That's, That's the worst m- feeling you've ever. you just
1: described my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not great. It's not great. When people are tapping you on the shoulder, like, you know, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And it's just like, right now I need space. I actually don't need you tapping me on my shoulder. I need space.
1: <laughs> All you've known to this point in your career was winning. In high school, yeah. you only lost two games, right?
0: Basically, yeah. At college,
1: <laughs> you are a winner. National title, mm. best player in the country trophy, under 20 World Cup, winner. Was this really your first experience of rejection?
0: Yes. First massive point of rejection.
1: Many people would break to be candid.
0: Yeah, it was really tough. And there's no easy remedy. People think it was so easy for me to bounce back. It really wasn't. I was trying to support the women's national team as well. And that was really hard. But I knew those are my friends. Those are my teammates. I was competing with them up until that very last moment. and. Watching the games was really painful. I was tearing up at times.
1: Could you bear to watch the games?
0: It was hard. I actually watched them with my now husband. Him and I used to go to bars and just watch the games. And he knew I was battling all these emotions. And he was such a great friend to me.
1: But the thing I take from this is it was painful.
0: Painful, yes. The
1: pain is real. You don't repress the pain you live no. you live that pain yeah
0: i think anyone who says that they could sit there and be like yay life is great is probably lying and i'm obviously trying to be very honest here and i'm gonna sit here and say it was not easy there were a lot of tears there was a lot of tears basically every game i was watching it was just like oh i'm happy for them but i'm so sad for myself and those are real emotions and i think that's normal to have
1: when did you watch the final i
0: was in a bar we are in a bar i was in a bar yes yeah. America. <laughs> drinking my sorrows <laughs> Drinking my
1: sorrows, I felt like. What did it feel like to watch the team that you are part of
0: uh, win? My emotions were like, yeah, 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 oh, I'm sad. Yeah, 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 I'm so sad. But ultimately the final whistle blew, seeing the girls charge on the field. I actually felt like I was there in a small way. I really feel like I helped those girls get there from just training and competing with them up until that moment. So, yeah, mm mm-hmm.
1: But you came back stronger yes. and then some. Pep Guardiola once told me, teams learn things about themselves when they lose, that they can only learn Mm -hmm. in losing. Is the same true for individuals?
0: Yeah, definitely. It made me the person I am today. And as much as I want to sit here and mope about missing out on the 2015 World Cup, it was probably because of that disappointing moment that has allowed me to propel myself into a new direction. I found who I wanted to be as a person, as a player, and my whole perspective on life in general just completely changed. I had this whole idea of like, wow, I'm nothing if I'm not on the national team, or I'm nothing because this coach told me I didn't make a team. And that was where I was like, low, 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 low. And then something changed for me where I feel like I am valuable. I had to teach myself that I matter, I'm important to this team. And you know, if I'm not gonna be with the national team at this point, I'm gonna be on my club team and I'm gonna make the best out of that situation.
1: One of your biggest fears it had happened. You'd survived. Yes. You could still run, kick, <laughs> breathe, laugh, love, yes. score. In an odd way, did failing, did it ultimately make you a more confident player? Because you went on to have the season of your life.
0: Definitely. It's like a little kid again. You fall down and you're like, wait a minute, this is okay. I could stand back up. Life goes on. I can figure it out.
1: A little kid that leads the league in scoring. A little kid <laughs> that wins the MVP. A little yes. kid that to me watching you was a more confident player in 2019 than you were in 2015.
0: Yes, definitely. It was growing pains. You had to realize, okay, this is a tough moment, but you either go this route or you go the other route. And I chose the route of figuring it out and being at my best and continuously getting better.
1: It's like the best sequel to Gwyneth Paltrow's Sliding Doors that I have ever watched. (laughs) Vince Lombardi once said, the real glory in sports is being knocked to your knees and then coming back. That's real glory. To me, you embody that. Do you relate to that?
0: Definitely. I think I'm a living testament of life is going to throw some crazy stuff at you. And in an ideal world, we would love to just go through life. Everything's great. No disappointments. But ultimately, like, do you get better? Do you become a better person or player or professional in any way? I don't think so. And I think literally 2015 is what made me the person and player I am today.
1: Your tenacity, Crystal, is not your only standout trait. You're also one of the single most versatile players I've ever watched at the elite level.
0: That's great to hear, thank you for that.
1: You didn't like that, though, uh, did you? I like that. You like that? I like that, you of do. course. Yeah, Why you like that?
0: Because I think it's what makes me unique. I have this amazing opportunity to see the field from so many different angles that no one really gets to experience. You know, I know what it's like to be a defender yelling at your centre mids. I know what it's like to be a centre mid yelling at your front line. I know what it's like to be a front runner yelling at people to get you the ball because you want to score and you want to assist. And I think oh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't... You're the don't... most
1: empathetic <laughs> footballer in the I world. I really
0: am. I understand this. And I think whenever I'm placed in a new position, I am so aware of what people want and expect of me because I've been in that same role as them. And,
1: Goalkeepers, you don't understand, those. Ah,
0: uh, No, I'd never want to be back there. That's <laughs> ridiculous. They're but, crazy. But you have. You've played <laughs> as a striker
1: and excelled. You've yeah. topped the league scoring charts. You've starred as a midfielder for your club. You've played at left back for the U.S. team. You've mastered so many positions, almost too many positions. Yes. You can be seen at times as a utility player, jack of all trades, a crystal of all trades, <laughs> a master of none. Is it a blessing or is it a curse?
0: I'm so grateful for my career. Me being Miss Versatile has made me who I am. But a part of me wishes I could be like others and be very specialised in one particular position, get really good at finishing, get really good at crossing, get really good at defending but ultimately that's not me half of my year i'm actually playing in the midfield with north carolina courage and then half of the year i'm playing on the national team as an outside back and there is that mental shift that i have to do every time i step into this environment and then when i go back to my other environment it's change back into midfield we need you to be attacking 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 and then here it's like we need you to be defending defending and i'm like okay give me a second
1: (laughs) it's like compartmentalization yes you're like Bo jackson
0: (laughs) He was very successful. So
1: two sports star. <laughs> but how do you approach the conundrum? I mean, one you've told me you need certainty. That's yes. what you do need. Think- you need to know what position you're going to be asked to play.
0: Yeah, but even knowing it doesn't necessarily change your mindset. You need reps. I think if anyone tells you how they've gotten really good at something, it's like, I'll go out and bring a ball bag and strike hundred balls. For me, I'm like. That's great, I I can't really do that because the next day I might be playing a different position which is not requiring me to work on that craft. And I think that's where my frustration lies is when I feel like I'm a step behind people because I do need that recalibration moment.
1: And then secondly, your mindset, just be the best crystal done you can be.
0: Of course, that's all I can be.
1: There's a classic English football chant that we all dream of a team of Jamie Carragher's. (laughs) And Jamie Carragher, he told me that would actually be a terrible team because it would only score own
0: goals. (laughs) But
1: but dreaming of a team of Crystal Dunn's, it's actually an amazing idea. I'd
0: put my money on that. I would put my money on that, (laughs) America.
1: Watching you on the field, Crystal, you display an incredible joy for life. (laughs) Where does it come from? Because we know, you know, life can be hard. Yes. Ups and downs. How do you maintain the optimism? What is the secret?
0: I try not to take things so serious at all times. I try to remember that I play a sport for a living and that is a pretty cool thing. And as much as I want to be at my best, I want to be elite, I want to always dominate. It's like, okay, you're going to have a bad training here and there. And I'm not going to dwell on this one bad training. I'm going to dwell on the journey, the experience, who I get to spend all my time with. And that's what really gets me going every single day.
1: Talking about joy, Imagine with me now, it's June the 11th, 2019.
0: Yes. We're in Rem. <laughs> Rem. nice pronunciation. <laughs> Your
1: US team are about to play their first game at the World Cup. You pull on that American jersey. Mm-hmm. You, Crystal Dunn, are standing on the field. The Star Spangled Banner's playing.
0: hmm
1: What do you feel inside?
0: Joy, the feeling of, I'm so happy to be here, honored to be here and I'm just going to enjoy it. That's what you have to have every day going into your profession. You've got to enjoy doing what you do.
1: To have dreamt, to have been denied, Mm -hmm. to have bounced back stronger. Yes. That's some kind of joy.
0: It's a lot of joy.
1: (laughs) It's got to be some feeling. We will all be rooting for you, Crystal Dunn. Thank you. And you just got married.
0: I did.
1: Your husband, Pierre, Mm -hmm. is actually
0: French. From Toulouse? Mm-hmm.
1: Who's he going to be supporting? Well,
0: we have this talk all the time. I have the Doris papers waiting in case he says the wrong answer, but I would love to believe he's putting on a Crystal Dunn jersey, that's for sure.
1: Oh, America. <laughs> a toast, Crystal Dunn. I raise my bud to you. You are a joy on the field and off it. You are living proof that the common trait of all those who truly excel is not just their skill or their contributions in good times, but their tenacity in the face of challenge. To you, to your success, living proof of the classic football song, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark.
0: Cheers!
1: Courage. (laughs) Oh, Crystal Dunn, what a human being. I will say, if the U.S. can get the ball to her feet, everything's going to be okay. It will. It will. There's going to be a ton of crystal video content from us this week. Producer Jay dubs Cutting Like a Madman. You can find it all on meninblazers.com and across all of our platforms. Most importantly, and this is not lip service, if you like this series, please tell a friend, spread the word. Can't tell you how much it helps. Next up, Lindsay Horan. And then Megan Rapinoe with the great Haran coming at the end of this week. Courage.